Welcome to Swala Nyeti, the law podcast that pairs a layman and a lawyer to answer your legal questions of the day. Swala Nyeti is sponsored by the law firm of Kigwada Company Advocates and is intended for educational purposes only. Welcome to Swala Nyeti. This is Recap 1, Episode 1. Episode 1. You've never done a recap. We've never done a recap. So are we going to title this episode? We'll find a name. We'll find a name. But the the purpose of this is because we've been getting questions mm-hmm. that we thought we should address. And we'll be addressing these questions after the week of the issues we have discussed. So we are recording this on Friday at the end of the week. Mm-hmm. Although the topics that we are tackling were those topics which were shared or which were discussed in our episodes for last week. Yeah, which is on landlords and tenants. Exactly. So this is something we'll be trying to do every Friday. Yes. And publishing this episode on Saturday Correct. so that you can listen to it at your leisure. Mm-hmm. And Geshao, what are the questions that we should go through which came up from we the have, previous episode? We have an array of questions mm-hmm. from hilarious. All right. Dead serious questions. Okay. The first one I received that was very... That I fell off the seat. Yeah. Was do you have a lawyer on the show? Guys, <laughs> Wakili means lawyer. It's they are, they are not two laymen. We one person is uh, an authority of the law. That's why we have this show. So I just wanted to get a, that out of the way. There's <laughs> okay. somebody who knows something about the law on the show because somebody asked me. The second question was from a landlord, and he asked. Let's say the tenant has left, mm-hmm. and when you assess the damages they of the property they were living in, mm. the damages are above the security deposit. And let me tell you, this is not a joke. Eh? Mm. There are people who even uproot mm. the the sinks, mm-hmm. the bathtubs. Mm. I don't know what they are trying to do with your house, but you can <laughs> go into your house as a, a landlord and find there is no bathtub. Wow! So, what do you do as a as the landlord? Mm. Okay, so that sounds like a really bad tenant. <laughs> yeah. But let's see what the legal position says. Now, we mentioned previously that the landlord has certain powers by law when the tenant has yet to leave the property, when the tenant is still in possession. We talked about the power of distress to get a land to get a tenant to pay any outstanding dues. Unfortunately, if you have allowed your tenant to leave the property, then you cannot exercise this power anymore. So the only way you might be able to pursue this tenant is either breach of contract, if you had a tenancy agreement that said he needs to take good care of your property, or you can pursue this tenant under the law of tort for material damage to property. Okay. And can you inspect the property when the tenant is still living there? Absolutely. I think... Most tenancy agreements will have that requirement, but it's also a provision in law that you can come in and inspect the property. So that you're not a little too late. Exactly. Wow. But I didn't know that my landlord can come to my house. Do they have to give me a notice? Usually, they need to give you a notice. Like on Monday, I'm coming to inspect. (laughs) An adequate notice. and (laughs) And also, they need to come within reasonable hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Especially if you've given notice that you are going to be leaving at the end of a period, mm-hmm. then that right they automatically get. 
Okay. And you know, I'm just intrigued if, if they come and they, they see there's damage when I'm still there. They can sell my couch and whatever. They can raise this as something that you need to pay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if it's lawfully raised, then yes, they could claim it under the distress. We covered that, I remember. Mm-hmm. Distress. Okay, Wakili, second question. Okay, third. The first one was whether there's a Wakili in the show. Mm-hmm. Now, the third question is, what do you mean by periodic lease? Or even what do you mean by lease? Okay, so I think we covered that in one of our earlier episodes. And we said a periodic lease is a lease that comes into effect after a written lease has terminated, but the tenant remains in possession of the property. So the lease came to an end, but the tenant is allowed to continue staying at the property. So what is formed is a periodic lease. Mm -hmm. And the periodic lease is really there to ensure there is orderly transition because you still need something that's governing the relationship between the tenant and landlord that will allow an orderly end to their relationship. And also you added that the periodic lease comes into effect if there are certain actions like the landlord accepting rent. Yes, the landlord has to consent to the tenant staying. So if it's a tenant who is just forcing himself there, then that does not constitute a periodic lease. And <laughs> I'm just wondering, if somebody sent their landlord money into the bank account, how does the landlord say I didn't use it, I didn't accept the payment? Well, the landlord has the option of reversing that yeah, transaction. Reversing transaction. Yes. Okay. Then another question, what if we we had covered a scenario in this periodic lease of a lady who was being kicked out mm. of or rather being evicted mm-hmm. out of her property. She had lived for an extra month. Mm. And the question then is what if she she thinks the eviction is unlawful? What can she do? I think this is a a scenario where the periodic lease had kicked in. Well, we mentioned that if there is an unlawful eviction, then you can get remedy from court, uh, including getting an injunction against the unlawful eviction, as well as getting compensation for any damages that you have sustained because of the unlawful eviction. Okay, well answered. Next question. Exercise of the statutory power of sale. What does that mean? So I think we discussed the statutory power of sale when we were discussing someone who had a mortgage or a charge on their property and they had defaulted in paying for the mortgage. And we said that the bank does have a power to sell as one of its remedies, to sell the property. And we said that the exercise of the statutory power of sale only comes into effect after a one-month notice, and 90 days of having not rectified the default. And speaking of default and a mortgage, I think, just for you to clarify, I'll paint for you a scenario. You have paid mortgage of 16 out of 20 years. You have 10 million shillings remaining. In those four years, you are supposed to have paid 10 million for the house to become yours. And now you have become due. You have not paid how much money becomes due? Is it the month the monthly payment, which is maybe two hundred thousand, or is it the ten million? So usually, the loan documents will determine what amount will be in default. And most contracts are worded in a way that once you default in the monthly payments, the entire 
outstanding amount becomes due. In this case, ten million. In that, in this case, ten million. So the bank will come to you asking for ten million. No, Correct. No, no more the two hundred thousand. Yes, but most banks would be able. I mean, most banks would allow you to negotiate if you can pay whatever was in default yeah. for those months. Then they can allow that the mortgage yeah, continues, continues at the yeah. rate it was before. Okay. Speaking of mortgage, what do you mean by forced valuation? So we talked about forced sale valuation in the case of where someone uh, where a chargee needs to exercise their statutory power of sale. And this is a valuation that you must conduct before you exercise the statutory power of sale. And we said that the valuation will be for the property if it was sold at auction rather than the property if it was sold at market. Mm-hmm this valuation tends to be lower than the market valuation. Okay. The, the next question has reminded me of my issue of saying I would give the house one of the bedrooms and charge her rent. <laughs> <laughs> but, Wakili, what is controlled tenancies? We talked about controlled tenancies for both dwelling houses and for commercial properties. And we said that these are tenancies which are protected or where the tenants are protected under law in the manner in which you would take any action on them as a landlord. So if you intend to evict them, you have to follow a certain procedure. If in the case of dwelling houses, you intend to distress, you have to get leave of the tribunal. And in the case of business premises, if you want to raise the rent, actually both business and dwelling houses, if you want to raise the rent or vary the terms, you still need leave of the tribunal if the tenant takes the matter to the tribunal. Okay. And I remember you mentioning under controlled tenancies for residences, for there was a limit for payment, like there was a determinant. Yes. So we said for a dwelling house or a residential property to qualify as a controlled tenancy, the rent payable is less than 2,500 Kenya shillings. Is there something like that for commercial? For commercial, the conditions to meet, we said, are either one, you do not have a lease, mm-hmm. or if you do have a lease in place, the lease is for less than five years. Yes. Or if the lease is for more than five years, then there is a term in the lease that allows for the contract to be terminated by notice. Amazing. Wakili, I love your memory. <laughs> so, you, as I was saying before... Many years of law school. Yeah, I can see. But it shows that, it, that also reminds me that if I, I rent out my bedroom for the more less than 2,500, <laughs> <laughs> that is a control tenancy. Uh, <laughs> Aya, what do you mean by distress? So we talked about distress as one of the remedies that a landlord has to recover any rent or payments which are due and outstanding from a tenant. And we said distress allows you to essentially pick households or office items where from the tenants' premises and to sell these at auction to recover the outstanding dues. Therefore, you mean you can sell my couch if you are the landlord? There were certain things that were excluded. Yeah, In residential cook. property, what is usually excluded are cooking utensils and your sleeping Ah. Your sleep, your place of sleeping. You cannot sell my bed. Neither can you sell my souvenir. <laughs> In short, yes, but 
if you are sleeping on your couch, if that is your bed, <laughs> <laughs> then you can also say that. <laughs> yes, I sleep on the bed and on the couch for four hours each, each night. You cannot take both. Right. So, and in terms of an office, you would find that things like your the computer that you use, because it is a tool of trade, could be considered as one of the things which are exempted from being distrained. It's just a bit strange th- considering that the people under control tenancies for residential houses are people paying less than two five hundred. There's a high chance that when you walk into that house, the only thing you're going to find are the places where they sleep and the things they use to cook. <laughs> yes, but remember for controlled tenancies, you would need leave of the court to begin with to conduct distress. But they could still give you that. The court could allow you and then when you walk there, you can either sell the sufuria <laughs> or the bed. <laughs> so, you're done either way. Haya, Wakili, can you evict somebody holding a court order? Uh, well, the short answer is no. We said orders have to be respected. But the probably more nuanced answer is it depends what the order says. Yeah. So if the order does not restrict you from evicting them, then why not? You evict them. And lastly, any business can be a, a control tenant? The answer is no. So we said that even having met all the conditions for control tenancy for business, for a commercial property, there are still some businesses which are excluded from claiming control tenancies. And the one which I can tell you with certainty is go downs. So go downs cannot claim control tenancies. So go downs for sure are under control tenancies. So go downs, yes. Go downs have been decided in previous cases as forming as not qualifying to be control tenancies. They do not qualify. There's no way a go-down can be a control tenancy. The reason is because of the way the law is worded as to what qualifies. So usually the the law will specify a shop or a place where services are sold, mm. and you see that go-downs yeah. do not meet that criteria. Yeah, yeah I see. And therefore, a go-down, whether or not it meets other conditions, I don't know, you have a written lease, it's not terminated, terminatable even on the lease, it's still not a controlled tenancy. Correct. It's a, a go-down would fall outside the definition of what can be a controlled tenancy. I don't know if Wakili got any questions. I th- I think the people tend to send the, <laughs> the layman the question. <laughs> I, I don't have any. But I, c- I encourage everyone to keep sending in any clarifications you need and we'll try as best as we can to answer them. I can tell you for sure, Wakili, the issues on divorce, the questions on divorce, we'll need a full hour for a recap. And thank you very much for joining us for this recap, our first ever recap. We continue to to address many things as they come and we'll find creative ways of doing it. And if you have any suggestions, kindly feel free to tell us on what we can do. But from our end on this Friday afternoon, we would like to wish you a lovely weekend ahead. And from me, have yourself a good day and goodbye. Goodbye. You have been listening to Swala Nyeti. 
Special thanks to our layman, Gashal Patrick, and our lawyer, Harry Karanja. If you have a legal question that you want answered, send us a WhatsApp message on 07081122 or email us at admin at swalanyeti.org. You can find downloads to all our podcast episodes on our website www.swalanyeti.org.